Welcome to this week's podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. For more info about Freedom Church, visit hellofreedomchurch.com. So good to worship with you all this morning. I just want to say welcome to our Crookston family, worshiping out there in Crookston, Minnesota. Today is their kickoff Sunday in Crookston, so we're super excited for what God has in store for you guys at that campus, and welcome to anybody tuning in online and those of us here worshiping in Grand Forks. Uh, my name is Jared, one of the pastors here, and if you've been with us last week, we kicked off a new sermon series called Full Strength, looking at what, is it, what does it mean for a church to be operating at full strength? Not necessarily looking at how each of us individually operate at full strength or how we are most healthy. We covered a lot of that in our First Things First series, last series, about our personal relationship with the Lord, but, but this series we're looking at, what, is, what does it mean for us as a, a corporate body to operate at a high level, at full strength for what God has in, in mind for us? And, and you know, this isn't like the one-stop shop series that... You, this is the only series you need to learn on church health or whatever, and you'll be good. A lot of other things that could be said, but these are some of the things that were on my heart for us as a church. And you know, there is no perfect church. And I hate to break that to you. There is no perfect church. There is no perfect pastor or pastoral team. Any church or any, any uh, group of people you rub shoulders with, at some point or another, are going to reveal their brokenness. And, and our church at Freedom Church here will do that as well. We're full of broken people looking to, to the Savior. And so there is no perfect church. So when we're striving to be at full strength as a church, we're not striving to be perfect. We're not striving to be sinless or flawless, although that's, I guess that's kind of the goal, but we all realize we all fall short of that. So there is no perfect church. And so what do we think of when we think of a church at full strength? You know, there, there's the, probably the most famous passage of scripture as it pertains to a church operating at a high level is found in the book of Acts. So we're going we're gonna to head to the book of Acts first, and then we're going to return to 1 Corinthians 12, where we're marching through in the series. But Acts chapter 2, I would say, is the most famous passage in scripture uh, pertaining to a church operating at full strength. Uh, Acts 2, verses 42 to 47 this is so famous that a lot of even church planting ministries, other Christian ministries are named after it. Like there'll be the Acts 2 ministry or, or 242 church planting network or whatever, because it's really a model for how churches want to emulate and, and become in certain ways. And so I'd like to read this passage of scripture. We won't dive into all the good things it has to say. But it is sort of a model for church life. Acts 2, 42 to 47 will be on your screen as well. So this is the early church. They, uh, this is really the first discussion of the church since they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, Jesus raised from the dead, all that. And then they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts 
praising God and having favor with all the people. And check this out. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So if maybe you've heard of that passage of scripture before, maybe you haven't, but it's largely the most famous as it pertains to like, what does the church look like when operating at a high level? And notice one thing that it doesn't list any one person's name in that section. Now, obviously there were leaders, the apostle Peter being one of them has risen to leadership in that previous or in that chapter earlier, he gives a sermon, he's kind of directing things. But when it talks about the church as a whole, there's no one person mentioned. Now the, the smallest group that's mentioned are the apostles. That's a group of 12 men that Jesus had appointed to, to run the show in his absence. There were 12, Judas betrayed everybody, and then they added one to replace him, so 12. And 12 is a decent-sized group. And so the apostles are teaching, they're doing miracles, healings are happening through their hands, but it doesn't end there. Notice what it says, verse 43, and awe came upon every soul. So everybody in this group was contributing a degree of worship and reverence and devotion to God. And it goes on to talk about how people were selling their possessions, how they were opening their homes, how they were devoted to fellowship and to prayer. All these things were happening. It doesn't just talk about the apostles. This is describing the whole church. Everybody was involved. Everybody was doing something because everybody was filled with the awe of God. So this is awesome. They were devoted to the Lord. And so the strength of the church was not measured in one person's flashy ministry, but in the collective devotion of the whole. The strength of the church wasn't measured in one person's flashy ministry, but in the collective devotion of the whole. All came upon every soul. People were inviting people into their homes, giving stuff away. They were generous. They were devoting themselves to prayer, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. That was where the strength of the church was found. It's kind of like a, a campfire. How many of you like campfires in the fall? Amen to that. Campfire season is awesome. Uh, I've started a couple fires in my day, campfires, that is. <laughs> and, you know, there are different stages to a campfire. You've got to set up the, the wood and the kindling and everything just right. And then when you start it, there's just a tiny little flame, right? And then the flame takes off, and there's a point where there's a, a good-sized flame. And you could do one of two things. You could throw more like the small sticks and brushwood and kindling on it. And what does that do? That makes the flame really big. You put those little twigs on a, on a fire and just whoosh, the flame just goes huge. But what is left after that is not much for the real goal, which is nice, hot, burning coals. You know, if you get a fire that has just those burning coals, some of those bigger logs have caught flame and... and there's maybe like 50 or whatever little coals there, and it's hot and they're red, that's when you know you have a strong fire. There might not even be a flame, but that thing will kick off a lot of heat if there's some established coals there. And you could bring that back to full strength in a matter of moments. So just like a campfire, uh, the church is the same way, that it's the strength of a fire isn't measured by the flashy flames or how many flames are operating. It's really measured by the established heat that's coming from the coals. The whole is, is determining the strength of it. And the same way with us. Certain people might have more flashy ministries, and that's needed. 
That's important. There's a role there. But the overall strength of the movement or the church is through the established devotion that each one of you and me represent. We're like the coals. And if the coals are red hot, it's a strong fire. But if we just got flames, that could go up and down and who knows where it's going to go. And so last week I talked about the tagline for the whole sermon series is that our church is at full strength when everyone is helping to represent God. That's the goal. Everyone is helping to represent God. Everyone is trying to listen to the voice of God and to be his representative wherever we are. And so being God's representative, being at full strength, begins with everyone having a collective devotion to the mission of God. Our church is at full strength when everyone helps to represent God to others. And that begins, this is the main point today, with everyone's collective devotion to the mission of God. The collective devotion to the mission of God acts as those embers across the church. That devotion, that, that fire, that heat, that passion for God and the mission that he is accomplishing on this earth. That's where it all begins. So now we're going to head back into our, our main passage of Scripture for the sermon series, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you have access to God's Word, I encourage you to turn there. If you were in Acts, it goes Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we're going to pick up where we left off last week in verse 4. And if you don't have access to God's Word, again, free Bibles out there in the foyer. I'd love for you to grab some. If you tune in online and you don't have a Bible, just let us know and we'll, uh, we'll get you one. We'd love for you to have one. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11 will be on your screen as well. It says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. And so this section, we're actually going to look at in two different weeks. So this week, we're going to look at it, and as well as next week. So this week, we're going to look primarily at verses 4 through 6, and we're going to leave largely the discussion on individual spiritual gifts for next week. And the reason being is because there's important uh, introductory truths that, to be honest, I've often overlooked in this section. Verses 4 through 6 has an amazing discussion on the Trinity. Now, if you don't know the word Trinity, it's basically just referring to the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The three persons of God in one God, that glorious mystery that everybody believes in, but not everyone can really articulate super well. But it's true, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the different persons of the one singular God. And so before he jumps into all the different gifts of the Spirit, 
Look at what he starts with. There are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. Lord referring to Jesus, the Lord Jesus, the Son. And there are varieties of activities, but as the same God, and when God is mentioned by himself, it's usually referred to God the Father, same God who empowers them all and everyone. So before he gets into discussion of the specific gifts of the Spirit, he's saying, you know, there's actually a great unity with God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So there's diversity in that they each represent and have a different function and different role. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But there's also an amazing unity in the Trinity, in the Godhead, such that one isn't like this random appendage doing this, this, its own thing, but there's complete unity as it talks about. And you know, oftentimes we like to separate one of those members of the Trinity. We like to either emphasize the Father or emphasize the Son in certain ways. Or in discussions like we're having about the church and, and representing God and spiritual gifts, we like to separate spiritual gifts out from everything else. As if the Spirit is kind of off on his own, doing random things, just throwing out gifts, detached from whatever the Father and the Son is up to. But that's not the case. There's great unity amongst the Godhead. There's great unity in what's happening here in this passage. So I want, to, I want you to see something. This was a really a blessing for me to, to study this week. The Holy Spirit is mentioned about with gifts. The Lord Jesus is mentioned with service. And God the Father is mentioned with activities, overall activities. What I believe the Bible is saying to us is that there's, like I said, there's unity amongst all of that, such that the Spirit gives the gifts, and the gifts are like the equipment. Jesus, the Lord, is overseeing the service, which is another way of talking about ministries or assignments. And God the Father is overseeing the act, overall activities, which is like the mission, the overall mission. So the gifts are the equipment, the service is the assignment, and the activities is the overall mission. They're all connected. Such that the Spirit isn't out there throwing out gifts that are disconnected from an assignment. The word here that's translated service is also translated in other Bibles as straight up ministries. So the Spirit gives a bunch of gifts, but it's functioning alongside the ministries or the assignments the Lord Jesus is giving out. And all of that functions underneath the overall mission of God the Father. Do you see the unity in that? Oftentimes, like I said, we want to separate one of those things and pursue those, like gifts of the Spirit. We want to pursue the equipment without pursuing the assignments the equipment goes with. You know, if you've done much driving, but you know, this, is, this is construction time of year for the Dakotas, at least. And so any road trip that's beyond, you know, your, your block radius usually involves some construction. You know, we just took a trip to South Dakota a couple weeks ago, and we passed a lot of construction on the interstate. And I have, I have boys, and so what, what do they think is the coolest thing in the world when we pass a construction site? It's all the construction vehicles, right? Look at that excavator, look at that bulldozer, look at that other yellow thing that I don't know what its name is. 
but I might make up a name so I, my boys think I know what it is. <laughs> you know, that's super cool. And maybe for us guys in the room, how many of us would love to get in, in, you know, in, the, in the driver's seat of a bulldozer and just, just drive it? Or like an excavator and just do whatever we need to do. Or, or you pass maybe farm equipment, farm vehicles and harvest. Like, man, it would be sweet just to, to commandeer that combine and just drive that thing. You know, maybe different military analogies make, you know, relate to you better. Like the different, who would love to drive a tank? I mean, really. Wouldn't it be awesome to drive a tank? But in all those different realms, people don't just give out the equipment without having it connected to a specific assignment. So as I pass that, those construction vehicles, I think, man, I'd love to drive an excavator. But I think, but I don't want to be a construction worker. There's the rub. <laughs> I admire construction workers. They're, they're more tough and manly than I am, if they're men. <laughs> uh, but I don't want to be a construction worker. So me not wanting to do the assignment then prohibits me from using the equipment. The same with farming. I'd love to drive some farm equipment, do some things. I'd love to drive a tank. I'm just saying. I'd love to drive a tank. But my disinterest in actually signing up for the assignment precludes me from having that equipment. And the same is true for walking with God. Oftentimes, we want to operate and explore and discover different gifts, but we want to use the equipment without recognizing there's a specific assignment connected with those. And it's our willingness to take up the assignment that actually makes us qualified and available for the equipment, for the gifts of the Spirit. And that's what I want us to think about today, is what is our willingness to take on the assignments? What is our willingness to be devoted to the overall mission of God? Because if equipment is connected to assignments, then assignments are connected to the overall mission of God. And if we trace it back to that, and we start there, then we will find our way downstream to seeing the powerful working of the Spirit in our lives. There was a season years ago in my life where I, I worked at a at a warehouse. I was kind of the manager of an electrical supply store uh, in town here, and I was pretty much the, the manager of a warehouse. It wasn't a huge warehouse, but a warehouse, and I had never worked in that field before. I only worked there for a little bit of time, but the coolest thing I did there, I would say the coolest piece of equipment I've ever operated was a forklift. It was sweet. You know, it's one of those uh, battery-powered ones, and I'm just amazed at forklifts and hydraulics and how it can lift like thousands of pounds and, and all that stuff. But that was the funnest part of my job, and when my boys were really little, they would come and visit me, and man, I was the coolest dad ever because I got to drive a forklift. They would come visit me on my lunch breaks, and they would come sit in the, in the forklift seat, and man, I was a hero for that. But you know, the same point I'm making is, they didn't hire me by asking people, who wants to drive a forklift? Anybody want to drive a forklift here? That's not how the process worked. The process was I went to the company, and they interviewed me, and I was willing to, to commit to promoting the mission of the company, which is largely having a good impression and making a lot of money. And so then my boss gave me certain assignments, what I was going to do to manage the warehouse. 
And I didn't drive the forklift willy-nilly. It wasn't like I just spun cookies around the warehouse for fun. Every assignment my boss gave me that required a forklift, that's when I used the forklift. There was, there was unity in the whole process. Unity in that. And there'd be days you're like, man, I just want to drive that forklift. That looks sweet. But I have nothing to do that needs it. So guess what I didn't do? Drive the forklift. <laughs> there are other things that I use, other, other equipment, pieces of equipment that my boss gave to me to accomplish the task. And that's the same with the gifts of the Spirit. And so moving forward, I believe that God has equipment for our church to accomplish any task. Any task that was accomplished in the Bible, God has equipment for us to do here in Grand Forks, in Crookston, wherever you're tuning in from. God has the equipment ready. But I think he's waiting for laborers to say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to submit to the mission. And I'm going to submit to the assignments. And I'm going to use the equipment that God gives to accomplish those things, rather than going willy-nilly and wanting to do cookies with the equipment God gives me. So it leads us to the question, rather than starting at the bottom, how do I get my hands on this equipment? Let's start at the top. What is the mission of God? What is the mission of God the Father, the overarching mission of God? It's a mission that Jesus himself submitted to. His whole life was devoted to the mission of God the Father. And so where do we find the activity of God? Where do we find the mission of God? Well, we can find it a lot of places, but I think the most succinct is in Matthew chapter 6. A very familiar passage, maybe too familiar. We can kind of gloss over the important truths found in the Lord's Prayer. Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. This is Jesus speaking. It's like, pray like this. Our Father... Here's God the Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Then what does he say? Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When Jesus is like, pray like this. This is your number one thing. Glorifying the name of God the Father and wanting his kingdom to come to earth. So what's the mission of God? The mission of God is to build his kingdom on the earth. Not our own creative, creative way of building it, but as it is in heaven. It already exists somewhere. And what our job is to build that kingdom, God's kingdom, here on earth. And that might sound great and awesome, and everybody says yes and amen, but the reality is, it's God's kingdom, not ours. See, that's where the rub is. At least that's for, where the rub is for me. When Jesus says, God... You build your kingdom. What he's saying is at the expense of mine. At the expense of my kingdom. At the expense of my agenda. At the expense of my will, my desires, my plan. At the expense of my kingdom, you build your kingdom. That's the mission. The mission isn't any of our kingdoms. The mission isn't any of our names or our reputation. It's to build the name and the kingdom of God the Father. And I want you to see this other verse, too, that I thought was so fitting in how Jesus submitted to that. John chapter 5, verse 30. 
This is kind of cutting into a, in the middle of a chapter, but notice what Jesus himself says about his own activity on the earth. John 5, verse 30 says, this is Jesus saying, I can do nothing on my own. I can do nothing on my own. Man, I wish I could say that. I wish I could truly live that way. I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me, which is God the Father. Man, isn't that awesome? Jesus Christ, the Lord of all things, his whole activity on earth was just submitting to the mission of God. He's like, I don't give myself the privilege of thinking my own thoughts. I don't give myself the liberty of having my own ideas. It's like, the only thing that I do is what I hear God doing, what I see God doing. I don't pursue my own will, only the will of him who sent me. That's it. Jesus says, I don't give myself the liberty of having my own ideas. Totally submitted to the mission of God, to build God's kingdom. And you know, it cost Jesus everything. But God the Father gave the authority and the kingdom to Jesus to oversee and to steward because he was faithful with it. And I just think, how many times in my own life am I trying to build two different things? Building God's kingdom, but also building my own kingdom. And you know what? A lot of the rub for me is when God actually needs materials from my own kingdom to build his. He needs my reputation to be going this way. He needs my free time. He needs the friend group I hang out with. He needs my, my finances. He needs the things that I'm trying to build up over here. He needs it over there, and I'm, I'm, you're, you're torn. And so to begin, at the beginning, say, God, I'm committed to your mission. I'm committed to building your kingdom, not my own. Not my own kingdom. And you know, God, if you need this thing out of my life, to pluck it out of what I'm doing and put it over here, I'm going to do that. I'm going to devote my life to building the kingdom of God. That's the mission. That's the mission of God. And where we begin as a church, where our devotion rests, is to say, my life, man, I'm crucified with Christ. I'm carrying my cross because whatever I have, whatever I am, my life is devoted to one thing, and that's to build the kingdom of God. So underneath the mission of God, then, if you're signed up, recruited for the mission of God, then are the, the services of the Lord, the ministries, the assignments of Jesus. And what do these assignments look like? These assignments can be very vast and broad and different. As it says in 1 Corinthians, there's a variety of services, but the same Lord. But I think there's a common thread in all of the assignments that Jesus gives to us to fulfill the mission. All the different assignments boil down to this. Loving someone else. All of the assignments that Jesus gives to you and to me to build God's kingdom boil down to loving somebody else. Loving and ministering to someone else, and not just ourselves. 
Because the kingdom isn't like this building. The kingdom isn't this baptismal tank, which we'll use in the second service. The kingdom isn't a building or resources or assets. The kingdom is in people. The kingdom is in people, and our assignments are to people. A verse I thought about that goes along with that is actually the next chapter. So we're looking at 1 Corinthians 12, which talks a lot about the body of Christ and spiritual gifts. Chapter 13 talks about what's greater is love, loving people. And if you can wield equipment without loving the assignment, you're off track. But 1 Corinthians 14, one says this. It'll be on your screen here. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Pursue love. Pursue love. You can't pursue love without another person. That's like one of the only things you can't cultivate without people is love. So pursuing love means pursuing people. Pursuing the people that God has put in your path to love on, to build up, to encourage, to point to Jesus, to see God's kingdom come into that person's life, to care about their soul, to care about the outcome of their life, to care about somebody else. Pursuing that love is the assignment of the Lord. And you know what? I believe that God has already put assignments in our path. People that are easy to love, people that are hard to love. People that make sense to love, people that don't make sense to love. And if we're on board with the mission of God, then the next step is to say, okay, God, I'm going to fulfill the assignments to love and minister to the people that you assigned to me that you put around me, you put in my midst, you put in my office, you put in my classroom, you put in, in my, where I live, whatever it might be. You put, the people you put on my heart to love, the people you put on my heart to reach out to. The assignments of the Lord are the people we are to love and minister to. And if we keep that order, the mission to build God's kingdom, not our own, the assignments to love others, even when it has no benefit to us personally, except to see them grow in the Lord, the mission of God, the assignment of God, then guess what? God gives us the equipment. He gives us the power of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't just leave us to our own self. He, it isn't like my boss at the warehouse saying, okay, Jerry, I want you to lift that 3,000-pound pallet. I, I can't do that. There's no way I could do that. I can't even tip it over. But God says, if, you are, if you're on board with my mission and if you're on board with the people that I've assigned to you to love and to build up, you will recognize your limitations. You will recognize and say, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I can't do that. That's not in my capacity. And that's when we say, okay, God, you must provide the gifts. You must provide the equipment. You must provide the supernatural strength and gifts to accomplish this task. Not my own strength, not my own wit, not my own intelligence, not my own plans, but what God has given me. The mission of God to build his kingdom and not ours. The assignments of Jesus to love and minister to others, not just ourselves, and to use the equipment of the Spirit, not our own power. And I believe God would do that. God will honor every laborer that submits to the mission of God in powerful, powerful ways. 
Well, I'd like to end the, the message this way and may invite Andy back up in the band as well as the band in Crookston. You guys can come on back up. We're going to end with a song that just talks about surrendering to the Lord. Just a fresh surrender to the Lord. We might not know what the assignments might look like. We might not know what the future looks like. But to have that fresh surrender, that fresh sense of, God, I'm committed. I'm committed to you. Like I said, we'll look at more of the specific gifts of the Spirit next week as they're explained there. But before all that is a heart that says, God, I'm surrendered to you. I'm committed to you, God. No matter what the risk or the cost to my own comfort, no matter what it is, God, I'm committed to you. And so I'd like to close this way. If we just all take a moment and just close your eyes and just bow your heads. You know, God isn't looking across our church to find a flashy ministry. He's not looking for the people that can have just this big, splashy thing. I believe God's looking across our church, across this community, these communities, and is looking for those embers, those coals, those red-hot coals of devotion that says, God, your mission first, your kingdom first, God. That like the church in Acts, awe would come over every soul in our midst, awe and reverence and worship and a true surrender. My stuff isn't my stuff. My, my home isn't just my home. What I have isn't just for me. And what I'd like us to do with every head bowed, every eye closed here and in Crookston, just as a gesture of just offering and the re- return to a fresh surrender, if you just, just open your hands like this, just reach out your hands, just as a gesture of, it's all yours, God. Just to open up your hands like this. And just to say in your heart, God, God, my life is for your mission. You've saved my life. You've shown me Jesus. You are building me up and loving on me, God, but I want to I wanna devote my life to the mission of God, to build the kingdom of God, to love on the people that you bring into my life with the power that you give. So with our hands outstretched like this, let me just pray. Father God, Father, I pray that you forgive me. I pray you forgive me, Father. Forgive us for the times that we have, we have followed our own path. We have built our own kingdom. We have made decisions about our life that had nothing to do with you. Lord, I just pray you forgive me for that. Forgive us for that, Lord. And create in us a new heart. God, create in us a fresh surrender, a fresh longing, a fresh commitment to lay everything in our life on the altar and say it's yours, God. And before all the fancy toys that we want to we operate, Father, we just give you allegiance. We give you our hearts and our lives. Thank you for being in this place. And thank you, Lord, for just the plans that you have for us that are truly better than the plans that we can make for ourselves. 
So we give you this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To stay connected with us, visit us on our website or check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Hello Freedom Church. Have a great week.